This is Baked and Bookish with your hosts, Maggie Boyer. And Savannah Cruz. This is the podcast where we get really stoned and talk about our favorite books and our least favorite books. We just love talking about books. We will also probably curse, probably talk about sex, and definitely give you spoilers. So, yeah, be prepared. If you don't like any of those things, kick rocks and log off now. Go find somewhere I can accommodate those things, because sadly, it's not us. It's not us. So, We are so excited to have you here. What are we reading today, Savannah? We are reading Disfigured on Fairy Tales, Disability, and Making Space. And why the heck did we choose this book? So we were looking for a nonfiction book about disability, and we were really excited to find this one. It popped up on my book talk, which must have been a really curated feed because it's not so popular on book talk, actually. Yeah, when I looked it up today before this episode, I saw four videos on it, and I included the video that Savannah saw. Yeah, I have a specialty feed, I guess. What can I say? Very niche, very niche. This is why Congress is banning TikTok, Savannah. It's your fault. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Of course. It's always my fault. What we fairing are we doing today, Mac? Well, today we are actually using my favorite CBD cream. It is the Prima R&R Stick 1500 milligrams of CBD. Plus, it's got some cooling aspects. I really love it. There's actually going to also be an affiliate link linked down in the show notes. This is literally my favorite CBD rub, and I don't say that as like an ad. I get messages every time I post that. Like, do you have a link? I've used my entire thing. Like, people love it. So, I'm going to slather some on my stomach right now, hand it to you, but I'm also probably going to take a couple hits of the bong because anytime we do anything with CBD or even edibles, I always have to smoke. Of course. Of course. Why not? I'm trying to figure out where I want to put the CBD stick so it just relieves pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, it smells good. Right? And it's like, that's like a reusable thing. Like they, uh, you can like buy refills and you can save the actual packaging, the like stick that rolls up. And so you use like... What's the Yeah. Oh my God. All the pluses. Actually. Okay. And I know this sounds like an ad. I didn't get paid to promote it. I only get paid if you guys buy it and you don't have to buy it. I just actually love this thing. And we were going to do a CBD rub and I was like, oh, I have the perfect one. Sinuses as well. Like the the smell, it's like a mentholy kind of smell. It smells so good. Literally. And I chose this because um talking about like disability, this is one of like my biggest pain relief like things. I do smoke weed for pain relief and other symptom relief, but this is like really direct and targeted. So that's kind of why I chose this. Oh, what a good pick. I love that. We are definitely going to be smoking throughout the episode, as you said. This uh, book is by Amanda LaDupe. She holds a master's degree in creative writing. She was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at a young age, and she serves as the communication and development coordinator for the Festival of Literary Diversity, Canada's first festival for diverse authors and stories. She published this book in 2020, and it was shortlisted for the Governor General's Award in Nonfiction and longlisted for the Barbellion Prize that year. End quote. <laughs> um, so, you know, we read this book and... I had such high hopes. I really wanted to like it, guys. I really did. And, oh, like, this isn't, like, I actually have reasons I don't like this book. This isn't one of those, oh, I just didn't like it because I'm being shitty, like a shitty person. Like, I actually have good reasons we will discuss for disliking this book. And it just, like, wasn't the greatest read for me. And I kind of had to force myself to finish it for the pod. So... Yes. 
It was slow, first off, and then it was also problematic. Yes, in so many ways. And we're really going to dive into that. We actually have some quotes from some really great story and Goodreads reviews we're also going to read because we are not the only ones that think this. And I actually think some people said what I was thinking better than I was thinking it. So we're going to get into the kind of our discussion of the book first. We get into this book and she says it's not a literary or like a scholarly book, but then she postures half of this book as scholarly text and as reference text with a lot of source material and it's not popular fairy tales so it also feels more academic in that regard because it's more like historical it's more grim fairy tales and obscure fairy tales and even when it does talk about popular fairy tales it very very rarely references like Disney films and things like that right and then the other half is like a memoir and personal anecdotes and they don't match well I don't think Right. It was like two different notes in the book. And I was just kind of wishing that she had picked between the two. Like, is it going to be scholarly writing? Is it going to be a memoir? Because it's so disjointed, the narrative was just not there. And you can still use fairy tales in modern culture in a memoir and not feel like scholarly text. But half of this felt like scholarly text and half of it felt like a memoir. It felt like two totally different styles. Right. And I wasn't the biggest fan of the memoir stuff either same i think half of it was really good i think half of it was like the moments where she was talking about like watching sleeping beauty and watching fairy tales and things like that but then other anecdotes she didn't make herself likable and it was in regards to her being a really rude mean person but also like the author those anecdotes she told she might not be like an actually rude or mean person but the anecdotes she told made her come across that way and the other half were like minimal people with invisible disabilities and things like that and putting people with visible disabilities over people with invisible disabilities it felt like in those other anecdotes and so I really only would have taken a handful of those anecdotes and kept them yeah exactly exactly or maybe like have some personal reflection on how you acted in yeah she always felt like she was in the right even when she was maybe not in fully in the wrong but wasn't in the right either and it's like you can acknowledge where you were wrong while still pointing out the ableism you experienced totally exactly and i was a little bit stumped because it was so fast-paced it like very briefly touched on things and then ran to the next thing and then doubled back to some of the older notes it was just a very oddly paced material all of it was so tenuous like barely their references so like she commented on fairy tales and the rise of fascism and nazi germany but then never really went into actual propaganda what were fairy tales used how were they used do you have any references for how they were used that they totally could have been but like how were they used she never really went into that she just said that they were and it's like that could be so powerful and so such a good point towards your like argument that right. these fairy tales, especially these older Grimm fairy tales, because also Grimm fairy tales were written a hundred years before the rise of fascism. And so it's like, how did those Grimm fairy tales impact the rise of fascism a hundred years later? Like, go into that, please. Right. If you're going to put it in there, you got to dive deep. Yeah. Give some evidence. 
It felt very shallow touching in all the different areas. I also felt like she was grabbing at these older tales that don't really apply to the way that we form our views in society, which I think was the whole message of the book. Yeah, it was a lot of obscure fairy tales that don't impact us. And then she also threw in a bunch of non-fairy tales. Yeah, I thought that that was a wild. What was your favorite non-fairy tale that was thrown in there? Probably Captain Marvel. Mine was Peppa Pig. <laughs> Just like, what? Okay, guys, I'm going to read you a list of all of the works that she cited not like the works like the academic text that she cited but all of the like movies and pop things that she cited some of these are also not very pop culture like they're very old well from they're from like one or the other yes it's literally one or the other so it's the cripple the emperor's new suit the little mermaid half of that was the grim tale or more Right. The Ugly Duckling, Cinderella, same thing, The Arabian Nights, Sun, Moon, and Talia, Beauty and the Beast, Captain Marvel, Harry Godfather, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Shrek, Game of Thrones, Ashen Puttle, Hands My Hedgehog, Old Sultan, Rapunzel, Simply Hands, Snow White, The Two Travelers, Sleeping Beauty, Peppa Pig, Jack in the Two Worlds and Other Jack Tales, Captain America, Rickety of the Tuft, Sensate, and The Lion King. Which she also did not put The Lion King in her references that I could find, but she definitely also talked about The Lion King. Yeah, she absolutely did. It was just such a hodgepodge of different symbols in media, you know? It was so weird. And I was like, okay, your title of your book is Disfigured on Fairy Tales, Disability, and Making Space. But then you throw in a bunch of other pop culture references that aren't fairy tales. So really, it should be Disfigured on Pop Culture References, Disability, and Making Spaces. Absolutely. And I don't even think she addressed Making Spaces that well. I don't think she did either. She made space for herself, but she did not necessarily make space for other disabilities. Yes. And actually, I want to read you guys a couple amazing reviews that kind of touch on a lot of things that I wanted to touch on, you know, Um, and I'm going to take a hit of this first before I read these reviews. Got to hone in. I'm going to take some coffee, too. Got on the coffee. I was worried with the ice clinking around. (laughs) A nice little ASMR. We love you guys. So this review is by Bo Hobby on Storygraph, and I will have a link in the show notes as well. This book tried to do too much at once. Although I appreciated the descriptions of Leduc's own experience, the book lacked a certain narrative and therefore a purpose. From the title, I expected an in-depth analysis of well-known fairy tales that have shaped the way we look at society. The harmful portrayal of disability is definitely something worth talking about, and I applaud the author for choosing such a bold topic. However, it was painfully obvious that Leduc used the fairy tale as an analogy for her own experience of disability, cherry-picking the parts that resonated with her the most. As is stated in many other reviews, she focuses on Ariel losing her tail, but totally overlooks her mutism. She filters the wide spectrum of disabilities and chooses the ones that are most similar to hers. Although I can't blame her for writing about what she clearly knows best, I can't help but feel misrepresented by this book. As a book that covers so many topics, fairy tales, inaccessibility, and social prejudices towards disabled people, as well as the writer's medical files and her own anecdotes, 
It does surprisingly little to cover a broad spectrum of disabilities. It was especially hurtful when the author tried to downplay all the struggles that disabled people have. As a person whose disability isn't visible from the outside, it is already difficult to convince people of having one and expect them to adapt to my needs. However, overall, I think it is a decent book. Those who know little about social issues regarding disability will definitely learn a lot. Also, people who may share similar experiences to the author will be met with a lot of observations and reflections from her part. The parts where she talks about her childhood were especially touching. Again, I think that the book would have been much better if the author knew what their audience was and went into it with as much or as little detail accordingly. 3.5 out of 5 stars. And I thought that was a brilliant review because I felt the same. I felt like disabilities like endometriosis and fibromyalgia were not represented at all. Absolutely. It felt very, very tailored to her own experience, which is fine if it's marketed as a memoir. <laughs> yes. And that's why I was like, pick which one you want to do. Do you want to make a scholarly text on disability and the way disability and pop culture interact? Or do you want to write a memoir about your own experiences through the lens of fairy tales? Both are very valid texts. Absolutely. And you could still use fairy tales in a memoir as a plot device. Fairy tales to me, what do you immediately think of? I mean, I think of Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Little Mermaid, even Pinocchio. Disney. Yes. Disney, right? One chapter in the book one chapter for disney that that to me is missing so many parts to what creates our view of the world and society today because we all grew up watching disney we did not all grow up hearing these old stories and half of the disney she did choose was captain america that's yeah. Not princesses and fairy tales. No, not at all. I felt like it just hit the mark in like the subject matter as well, you know, but I did want to like it so <laughs> I wanted to like it so bad. And like this person said, if you know very little about disability, this is an enlightening text. This does have a lot of points where you could learn something, but it's just not a very cohesive story. It doesn't have really very good through line devices. And I think it had a lot of potential to have those things. And so it was disappointing because like the author putting their medical records in like if it was a memoir that could have been such a beautiful plot device you know there were so many places where she was like so close to hitting the mark but failed so badly in my opinion <laughs> absolutely and there was just this blur of like what disability meant uh, yes Yes, and we're going to get into that with Annette from Australia's review from Goodreads, which I do not have the full review because it was a very lengthy review. But I thought this review was fantastic, even though it was one out of five stars, because it literally cited page numbers. Like, it was very thorough. So again, I'm only reading not even the first half of the review, but if you really want to understand the kind of the flaws in this book, this is the review to read. Absolutely, and there's going to be a link in the show notes to get the rest of it, right? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Let me take another hit because Annette's review is kind of, I feel bad reading this almost, but I also. Know, but it's so true. Like these people have articulated what we were talking about so well like props to them because it was so well written they really really did and i felt like when i went to the amazon reviews they were almost all positive actually they pretty much all were positive and there was a two out of five stars and there was only one that was that low yeah. and like in there just wasn't a lot of, oh, weird oh, weird 
I agree. That does seem a little weird. It's also like comparing the Goodreads reviews being so much lower. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it makes you wonder if people are just trying to make space for disabled authors and disabled narratives, which is a really good thing. But also it might be swaying how many stars you're giving it because you don't want to discourage these voices because it's always good yeah. to have disabled voices brought up. And speaking of, we are also doing Doing multiple books about disability next season that we actually like. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. One is nonfiction and one is fiction, and we have picked two that I think are stellar. So definitely, definitely check those out next season. Not talk a lot more about it. We actually might even have one of the authors of one of the two books on the pod. Whoop whoop. So we're really, really excited about next season's disability rep picks, but this season kind of fell a little flat. So here is the net from Australia's review. It excerpt. From Annette's review. Amanda LaDuke's Disfigured on Fairy Tales Disability and Making Space is a type of pseudo scholarship that is often popular but lacks any meaningful analysis or insight. LaDuke's work is the perfect combination of poorly researched, superficial, and badly organized. While LaDuke admits that her work is not meant to be a piece on disability or fairy tale scholarship, it does raise the question about what exactly it is meant to be. LaDuke defines disability as an impairment that is both social and physical phenomenon. She then conflates disfigurement, disability, and ugliness throughout the book. She should not conflate disability and disfigurement. They are not the same, even though they can often be conflated. Scar, after all, is not disabled, but he is disfigured. She has an extensive section on ugliness, particularly the relationship between ugliness and villainy, but does not provide statistical information on whether villains are more or less likely to be disabled, despite arguing that disfigurement is shorthand for villainy. A piece of key information when many others of her examples focuses on heroes with disability, Hans the Hedgehog, Ariel the Beast, Quasimodo, Pinocchio, Oedipus, one out of five stars. She has a lot of other good points in her review, but it's really lengthy. So again, the review will be linked in the show notes. And I do highly recommend checking out that review because it really goes into some of the other flaws in a much more eloquent way with like sources than we did. Yes, absolutely. This person did an amazing analysis. Amazing. It was so good. And I feel so bad, guys. I really wanted to like this. It just, it felt so flat. And I was literally forcing myself to finish. I was like, I have to read 25% of it a day because I need to get done with this book. We're recording soon. And I can't read anything else till I finish it. It was so hard to finish. And literally, I texted Savannah and I was like, do we have to read the, like, afterward? <laughs> right? Yeah, I felt the same way. And I don't know. I was kind of wondering, what do you feel like as a person with a disability? Like, what fairy tale would you have wanted to see represented that wasn't? Ooh. I know. I just stopped you. This is kind of me. I'm honestly a, like Pinocchio because sometimes his disability is visible and sometimes it isn't. Ooh. And I would also like to like kind of have an analysis on viewing disabled people as liars. Oh, that is good. Yeah, like there was so many things that we, and I mean, you also could argue that Pinocchio's impairment is not a disability, but many times he literally like can't fit through doors. You know, he's hurting himself and he's also a boy who's made out of wood and his bones hurt and things like that. So like, I think that there's a lot there that you could go into. A lot of overlap for sure. Oh, that's interesting. I love it. Yeah. What about you? 
do you have a fairy tale that you would have liked? I did love the point about like the cherry picking of disabilities and like the cherry picking of even like when she did talk about Ariel, like not talking about her mutism, not talking about her even mental disabilities. Right. And then talking about Ursula and things like that. So, right. A lot there. Ooh, that's difficult. I'm going to pick a fairy tale and you tell me the ableism in it. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> this is a fun little game. Okay, let's pick one of the newer ones. Do you think that they handle ableist topics, like, better? What's a newer one? I had one on the top of my head. What was it? Oh, Tangled. That was semi-newer. That wasn't, like, whenever we were growing up. Do you think that they handled anything about disability well or ableism well? Yeah, honestly, can't even remember the book. And I don't remember what her points about Rapunzel were either. Like, that's how right. little this book, like, meant to me. Is like, I don't remember her points about Rapunzel. Right. Well, I was thinking about the movie Tangled. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's based on Rapunzel, so I was... Right. Well, it's very different than the traditional Rapunzel. That's true. We weren't exposed to it, which is another reason why I don't think that it impacted our psychology and social standing about things as much. I think, yeah. I think that Tangled really focused a lot more on like honestly adoption topics than ableist topics that's true i think it kind of avoided the ableism of the original fairy tale that's true that is very true so whether that is a positive or a negative right i just can't think of a disney like just because i haven't watched any of them recently i don't have any glaring ableist uh stuff so i was just throwing out random titles to I see if there were any Sleeping Beauty. I mean, that's not like new, new. It's still kind of older. Right. But it's not the grim version. That's true. Thank God. We would have been like horrified. Yeah. And I still think it was like awful because it's still like disabled people and consent. Right. And that's and true. also sexualizing and desexualizing disabled people and how we both sexualize and desexualize disabled people at the same time. Ooh, that would be an interesting topic to read on. Right. That'd be fun. Also, throwback to the now retracted study on endometriosis that was about on if people with rectovaginal endometriosis are more attractive than people with other forms of endometriosis. What the... Kind of study <laughs> throwback. What in the world? When you get literally now two dollars per patient, and that number is higher than it used to be, two dollars of research per patient per year, and that is what research goes to. Yeah, we love it. That's wild. Yeah, I can't wait to do some better disability reads next season because this one just fell a little flat for the space that we gave it. You know, no, I was so like. <laughs> excited to talk disability on the pod too and i just think it could have been like so much better because like i really just don't even know what like topics to go into because like she just wasn't she didn't know what topics to go into exactly it just felt very hollow and it just felt very all over the place it felt like she didn't really actually go into any topic she just like burst around them literally literally and so, like, she just wrote, like, one sentence on each thing. Like, and that's literally what it felt like. And the rest was, like, circular theory. Yeah. And, like, I do think the Amazon reviews, they talked a lot about how this would be a good academic text. And I do think that that's, like, kind of true. I also think there could be a lot better academic text on this topic. But I think that this is a more academic than memoiric book. But I think it honestly had more potential as a memoir. Totally. Absolutely. I feel the same way. So, yeah, that's how I feel about this book. I really don't have anything else to say about it because I just didn't enjoy it. It was literally almost a do not finish for me. Totally. 
totally absolutely if it hadn't have been like a podcast thing i wouldn't have finished it. no i wouldn't have i really wouldn't have so yeah unfortunate unfortunate but we have a really really fun sesh fuck kill yeah, we decided to do it on fairy tale characters of our childhood and like popular media and pick who to sesh with, who to fuck, and who to kill. So, Samantha, so who would you sesh with? Who would you fuck? And who would you kill? All right. Well, I think that I'd want to sesh with Aladdin. Ooh. Like a magic carpet ride with a bong. That's what I'm talking about. Like, ugh, how cool would that be? Andy's got a genie and a monkey that he hangs out with. I'm talking about like a circle sesh, you know? He comes with all the other characters. So it's just an all-inclusive answer. And then I'm digging back to my roots for who I'm going to fuck. Because my queer awakening was definitely Ariel from The Little Mermaid. That goes back deep. That was my first time being like, ooh, she's fine. <laughs> you know? Was she your first, like, lady crush? Oh, yeah, for sure. And then whenever I got a little older, it was Shido and Kim Possible, like both of them. Those are those are two good picks. Wow. You liked the colored hair. Yeah. Yeah. That was your thing. Because those are literally like the only Disney princesses with colored hair, right? Or like Disney characters, really. Other true. than Kim Possible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do like red hair. Just <laughs> in general. Cliche much? I know. I like men with red hair. I like with, with red hair. I love people with red hair in general. I just had a really gross thought ew no not them <laughs> disgusting you knew exactly who i was talking disgusting. about without even me saying anything i was just gonna cut it out i was gonna edit it out you, you knew i knew irrelevant <laughs> irrelevant i don't know them i don't i don't know of them they don't exist to me so the drama the tea well okay so who am i killing here's the real tea peter pan he makes men not want to grow up i hate it should we read the book about peter pan Ooh, yeah yeah that would be a really cool read it's like about peter pan syndrome and men not wanting to grow up as like a deviation of this archetype i think it's like a shadow side of this archetype you know what i mean yeah and then we could also just like shit on all your exes and your exes okay fair yeah honestly but mostly but mostly mine yes <laughs> i will take full responsibility for that actually i feel like most of my exes were just shitty people not people who refused to grow up yeah honestly yours were men who refused to grow up <laughs> Rip. This is why I need to start dating people other than men. I have to talk to you about that, actually. Oh, no! Oh, no! I'm scared. Anyway, um, who would I substitute? I want to change mine so bad, so... Just change it. But I like both. Do I make Disney princesses so sexy? That's true, they do. So I would definitely sesh with Robin Hood. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because I feel like he and I would get along. We're just both two little boys that want to reclaim all of the money of the world and give it to the poor. I feel like that's a rogue archetype too, like a little boy rogue archetype, which is the same as like Aladdin is, like steal from the rich gift to the poor. Oh my God, fun group session how do we you? always pick the best group sessions i don't know but i just think that's so funny that we both picked a similar archetype in that same spot and i like how we like the boys who want to give to the poor and we don't like the boy who doesn't want to grow up 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very, that's very on brand. It is. It is. Oh my God. I was going to say I was going to fuck Tinkerbell, but then you talked about Aladdin and I totally want to fuck Jasmine. That's my childhood crush. That was my one of. There were a lot. She's half. Yeah. And I was a very gay child. Just did Unsurprising. <laughs> not surprising. No. I don't know how I like mostly dated men, especially until I was like in high school because I was like very into women. Right. It's so confusing to me like why my track record is the way that it is, given how many female crushes or like people other than men crushes I've had in my life. Do you remember whenever I had a crush on you for like a minute? Yeah. I always had crushes on like female animated characters, never the men. Totally. Absolutely. Want to sesh with the boys. Want to fuck the women. Yeah, I stand by that. Hell yeah. And then I would kill Wendy. I think we're just going straight into that world and just going to murder everybody but Tinkerbell. Yeah, take Peter Pan. Take Wendy. They're gone. Even Tinkerbell is kind of annoying. But she is in the in the movie until they started making like all those other animated Tinkerbell films. I thought those are actually so cute. I loved the book. I never read the book. Oh my god. I Did you have a Fairy Hollow uh, login and I would make my characters like super gay looking? Yeah, and I had like all of the books and stuff for them. They were so pretty. That reveals a lot to me about you. Yeah, I love fairies. That makes sense. Yeah. Honestly, if I was going from like the Tinkerbell world and I was picking who I'd fuck, I would fuck like the girl with the black hair. The long braid. She's like, does wind or something. That's the one. I see one. Actually. That's the Because it's the mix. It's the mix between Jasmine and Tinkerbell. Oh, dude. It, in the Tinkerbell universe, you know who could get it? Silver Mist. Oh. Oh, she a bad. <laughs> when I was like 10, this was, this was hot stuff. You know? I was not like a brony. I was a Tinkerbelly. Yeah. <laughs> You got it out. That was a tough one to get out, I feel like. It really was. You did well. Thanks. I tried. I was like, so what do you rate this book? I might give it like a three out of five. It was uh, like, I liked some of the things that it said about like, it made me start thinking about fairy tales and icons and pop culture and how ableism influences them as somebody who doesn't have a diagnosis or like suspected disability, I feel like it's something that I needed to be informed on, but also could have been done a lot better. So I'm going to ride the middle with three out of five. I'm also at three out of five. I feel like it had a lot of potential. And so I wanted it to be better than it was. So it's not going to be like a two or a one because the potential was there. It just needs some refining. Right, right. Audience defining. I love it. I love it. So next week, we're going to be reading Verity as our season one finale. I know you've been waiting to talk about Verity for like ever. I literally think I'm going to have to reread it before we record. I know we're probably like recording literally next week, but I'm probably going to read it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. My sister just bought it. It's so good. And I have the bonus chapter and I want to read it like knowing what happens in the bonus chapter. Truly. And so, guys, we're going to also talk about the bonus chapter. So you'll get all the tea. All the tea. All you got to talk about the bonus chapter. Oh, my gosh. It is truly wild. So um, you're going to want to tune in to the Verity episode. I'm really, really excited. 
Um, I might even like freaking post the bonus chapter on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram at baked.and.bookish. You can also follow us on TikTok there. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at maggie.writes because I just love the periods. You can also find my books and workshops and everything like that linked there as well. Awesome. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.